So would you take out your Bibles? Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to be heading this morning. Mark chapter 9 verse 14. Here's a story to get us started. A pastor had dinner at the home of a couple in his church. After he left, the wife said to the husband, I think he stole our spoon. Our favorite spoon. I can't believe it. This bothered her for a whole year. A year later, the couple had the pastor for dinner again. Unable to resist, the wife asked, Did you steal our spoon last year? The pastor replied, No, I put it inside your Bible. Ouch. On that note, let's pray. (laughs) Father, I just want to thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not just meant to be a nice coffee table book, to look good decorating our bedside tables, gather dust on the shelves, Lord God, but it is something that we're meant to read and open up and it's meant to feed us. We're meant to pour over it and meditate on it, Lord God, so that we grow, that we're changed, that we're transformed, that we know your will and your ways, that we hear from you and that we have a a firm and sure foundation, Lord. So I just pray today as we open up your word that you would give us ears to hear what it is you're saying to us, Lord God. I pray that you would renew our minds, Lord God, that you would change and transform our hearts and lives today, God. I thank you for all that you're wanting to do in this place, all that you have been doing, Lord. And we just uh, welcome your Holy Spirit to come and breathe life now upon these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, so that they is Jesus and his three favorites, Peter, James, and John, they'd just been up on the Mount of Transfiguration, they've come down. So when they came to the remaining disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I've always been drawn to this passage. 
And there's just so much in there, isn't there, that we could, we could look at and focus on. I've, I've been drawn to it, not because of the suffering of the little boy or the anguish of the father, but because I think, again, it, it paints yet another beautiful picture of Jesus, of who he is, and the fact that even the most stubborn demonic oppression and affliction, that, such as we see here, cannot remain when Jesus shows up. Even the most desperate, impossible situation is totally changed because nothing is impossible with God. You know, I'm drawn as I read this passage to the cry of faith of the Father who comes to Jesus. And there's that disappointment that he's faced with. He comes, though, with his weakness, with his frailty, with his doubt, being honest and saying, I believe, help my unbelief. And so, yes, it's true that there are many different aspects that we could focus on on this passage this morning, but there's just one particular thing that I want to bring out that I feel like the Lord's put on my heart this morning. And so I guess the title of this message, if you're taking notes, is I believe, help my unbelief. And so, of course, this last week we've just had a prayer week and uh, always a wonderful thing to do. Wonderful times of prayer in the morning and then the lunchtime and for those who are here, there's a number of us here on Wednesday night for a prayer and worship night. We just set aside some focused time this week to pray, and to seek the Lord, to come before Him. And uh, just a wonderful time. But you'll remember towards the end of last year, we had uh, a prayer weekend. That was the last one that we had, probably around October or so. And it was during that particular prayer week that I really feel the Lord put this particular passage on my heart. And I feel He spoke to me very clearly about it. And this is what this is what I felt that he said. I felt the Lord say, For too long, my people have been, if you can, believers. This is a time for my people to take me at my word, to cry out, I do believe, help my unbelief, and not bring down the truth of my word and who I am to your measure of experience and breakthrough. My people are not to be a faithless generation, but a faith-filled one. So that's what I feel he put on my heart back then, and I've been sitting on that, praying into that a little bit. And then this week, the next prayer week we've had, I really feel he put this passage and that word on my heart again. So I'm going to attempt to preach on this this morning. Not to be a faithless generation, but a faith-filled one. This word faithless talks about a refusal of God's inbirthing of faith. A people unpersuaded or unconvinced about God without trust in God. I don't want to be like that. I don't want us to be a people like that. And you know, it's not just confined to people who do not have faith, right? Unbelievers. But there can be a sense of faithlessness that can creep in if we're not careful, even to those of us who profess to believe in and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we can look around us in the world today, and there's so many things that could be discouraging, aren't there? So many situations and difficulties and impossibilities that you just think, oh, what's, what's going on? You know, you can look at things like the census, the recent one a couple of years ago. Um, and from memory, they're, they're, again, you know, each time there is a census, it seems, that the, I guess, percentage of people who would identify with faith as Christian or some sort of faith is declining declining again and I think even in the last week or so I read an article and this was specifically about the younger generation kind of from that 18 to 24 year old age group and in the last 15 years or more 
the um, percentage of, of young people who have professed faith following the Lord has dropped 20%. That's what this particular article was saying. And just the decline of that. And so we can look at that and think, oh, what's going on? Can God move in this situation? But I look at that and I think, wow, what an opportunity for God to move. What an opportunity for him to break through, to go against what the statistics are saying. God's bigger than that. To break through what you know, even the social norms are saying. To break through and to bring light where there's darkness. To, to bring a whole generation back to him. So I believe this morning that the Lord is wanting to stir our hearts afresh with a reminder that he is able, with a reminder that he is the one who does the impossible, that he's the one who makes a way even when there doesn't seem to be a way. He's the one who opens blind eyes. He opens the deaf ears. He makes the lame to walk. He raises the dead. He delivers the oppressed and afflicted. And you know, those things, as we read them in Scripture, in the gospel accounts, in the books of, book of Acts, they're not just something that's confined to the annals of history that we read and think, oh, well, that was wonderful stories. No, they are reality today, I believe. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we read about all that Jesus was doing when he was here walking the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, setting captives free, all those amazing things, he was doing that then. He's doing that now in our day and age. He's alive. He's at work today. And he will continue to do that to the end of time. So I really believe that it's time to lift our eyes again, to get our hopes up again this morning, to let faith arise afresh in our hearts. Because the Lord is wanting us as his people, and of course his people everywhere, to grab hold of this and to move from the posture of, well, if you can do anything, if you can, to the place of, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. And so here in the passage this morning, we see a desperate situation, don't we? Even what we would describe as an impossible situation. This poor little boy. I mean, I can only imagine the anguish of the father as a father myself. You know, to think that this, this man has, has seen his child since he was really little go through this torture and this torment of this demonic affliction and oppression. You know, the Bible says it would, you know, shake him. He'd foam at the mouth. He'd grind his teeth. It tried to destroy him by throwing him into fire and into the water. That sounds like a pretty difficult and impossible situation. Wouldn't you agree? A young boy in desperate need of healing. And then we also see this tension, this wrestle, if you like, between faith and the unbelief. The faith of coming to Jesus, expecting him to heal his son, but then nothing happened initially when he came to the disciples. And this tension, this wrestle of, oh, maybe, you know, is anything going to happen? But yet, then a cry of faith prevails. Perhaps there are some of you here this morning in this very place. You're in the midst, perhaps, of a problem, of an impossible situation. There's this wrestle or this tension between what you know to be true of God, what you know he's spoken, what you know he is able to do. And then this tension between that and then what the circumstances or other voices might be telling you. Perhaps it's not even a difficult or impossible situation, but simply a hunger for more of God, a desire to see him move powerfully in our midst, in our city, in our nation, to see him break through. You've been pressing in for that. You've had this desire for him to break through. 
In faith, you're believing for that, yet perhaps maybe nothing or not much yet seems to have changed. There's the temptation to settle for an if-you-can-do-anything mentality, I believe, when we find ourselves in that place. So in the passage, we see that, as I touched on earlier, Jesus and uh, Peter, James, and John, they've, they've, they've come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. While, while all this is going on, the boy brings his son looking for Jesus. He's not there because he's up elsewhere on the mountain. So he takes him to the disciples. They weren't able to cast out this demon. And then as they come down, there's a crowd. There's the scribes there arguing, pointing the finger. Perhaps that's why Peter said, you know, it's good for us to be on the mountaintop. It's good for us to stay up here. Because as they come down, it's straight into the midst of a problem. Why come down from the mountaintop? And how often that's the case. We have a mountaintop experience. Come down straight into the valley, straight into the midst of a problem. And so what do we have here? We have, it says, the scribes are there arguing with the disciples. This word for arguing, what it means is that they were disputing, they were questioning, they were debating, criticizing probably belittling the nine remaining disciples, accusing them for the fact that they couldn't drive out the demon, questioning their, the legitimacy of both their mission, their call, and in fact their master, Jesus himself. Then we have the disciples. They're there, copying all this heat from the scribes. They're probably feeling a little bit embarrassed, a little bit disillusioned perhaps. Because if you remember a couple of chapters prior to this in Mark chapter 6, Jesus himself sends them out. He gives them authority over unclean spirits to go and to cast them out, to see the sick healed. And in Mark 6 verse 7, we see that. And then in uh, verse 13 of Mark 6, it says that they drove out demons. They, they, they prayed and saw many healed. So here they are again. Oh, an unclean spirit. Great. And they couldn't see it go. A bit embarrassed, a bit disillusioned, being accused. And of course, Jesus gives a bit of an indication as to why later in the passage. But we won't touch on that too much this morning because it's kind of a whole other message, really. And then we find this dad, this father, this poor guy in a place of discouragement and disappointment. He brought his son to Jesus, obviously with some sense of faith and expectancy. Perhaps he'd heard reports, you know, the reports of Jesus spread all over the region, the Bible tells us. So he would have known that Jesus was pretty awesome and that if you have sickness or need, you go there and he'll heal it. Something must, would be bound to happen, I'm sure, if I can only get my son to him. But then he comes, Jesus isn't there, the disciples are there, they couldn't cast out the demon. They couldn't bring freedom and healing to the, his son. So he's discouraged even to the point of doubting if Jesus could do anything at all. If you can do anything. So this morning, if you feel you're in an if you can do anything place this morning. Maybe it being in that place of if you can has been the voices of others. Like the scribes who say things like, I told you so. I knew that wouldn't work out for you. Why bother? Well, you've had prayer before. You've had prayer hundreds of times before. What? No, it's no good. Don't bother. Perhaps you're in that place this morning of if you can because of things like the scribes. Maybe it's the, I was so sure that God had called me to do this. And whatever reason, things didn't work out how you'd hoped for. Like the disciples, they'd been given authority 
to do the work of the kingdom. They'd done it before, they'd seen it before, but it didn't work out on this particular occasion. Maybe it's the doubt or the discouragement that comes from the disappointment. Like the father who had come expecting healing, but nothing had happened. And perhaps you've resigned yourself to that attitude or mentality of, if you can do anything, Lord. If you can. Just a little bit of help. A little bit of, if you can. And you know, that may not even necessarily be an intentional thing. But it can creep up and creep into our hearts and lives if we're not careful. If we're not vigilant over our hearts. This is the environment that the story is unfolding in. It's a bit of a mess, I'm sure that you will agree. Jesus doesn't mind a little bit of mess. And, you know, what about the poor boy? These guys are all arguing and Jesus says, what's going on? Why are you arguing? And then the father puts up his hand and says, well, this is actually what the issue is about. What about my son? I've come to receive healing. And nothing's happened as yet. But, you know, the good news didn't, is that the story didn't just end here didn't just end in this messy situation. The good news is that even in an environment such as this, Jesus is still able to break through. Even in the midst of our doubt and despair, Jesus breaks through. And we have this problem, this immovable mountain, this impossible situation, an environment of unbelief, of contention, of doubt even, and Jesus appears. It says... You know, he, he comes and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed. Jesus can always be found in the midst of impossibilities and crises. He is. He's always found right there in the midst of our moments of despair and disappointment. When we feel like giving up, he's ready to act. He's ready to break through. You know those moments, and I'm sure many of us have, have had them, where you're like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Has anyone else had those moments? couple of us good that's good i'll preach to us this morning in those moments know that he is right there that he is right there closer than the very air that we breathe we can see it clearly throughout the gospels jesus is there in the midst of the impossibilities and the crises and i'm sure that many of us would be able to testify to that in our own lives praise god the question for us though is do we keep him only for the crises or do we walk in the daily paths of life with him? This is how our faith grows and is strengthened. This is how our faith grows and strengthens because we come to know his character. We come to know his nature. We come to know what he is like. So it's no longer the, if you can do anything, but yes, you can do all things because I know what you are like, Lord. So if you're in that place this morning of the, if you can do anything, I want to encourage you. It's okay to be there. It's not okay to stay there and wallow there though because I believe there's an invitation this morning that the Lord is, is giving to us to bring us out of that place and into a place of belief, of I believe, help my unbelief. How do we move from that place though, from unbelief to belief? How do we overcome the disappointments of the past? How do we overcome the voices or the critics or the doubts or those things so that we're not sideswiped, so that we stay steadfast. Well, there's a few things that I want to bring out this morning just to hopefully encourage us with. But just before we get there, I love what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1. It's an incredible prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened. 
would be enlightened so that we know the hope to which he calls us, the glorious inheritance, the riches, all those things, but so that we would know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That the eyes of our hearts would be open to know the immeasurable greatness of his power. You know, the greatness of his power is such that it is immeasurable. And I pray, my prayer this morning is that we would come and move towards that place this morning of the eyes of our hearts, our eyes being opened to see the immeasurable greatness of his power that is available and that is at work for us as his people. So the first thing of moving to this place out of, if you can, to I believe, help my unbelief. So important to be anchored in Jesus. To be anchored in Jesus. The father in the story, he tried everything. No doubt he would have done whatever he could to help his little boy. And here he comes, he tries the disciples. That didn't work. So his faith was badly shaken. If you can do anything, please help us, Lord. You know, he wasn't interested as the scribes are there arguing and pointing the finger and, you know, having a go what the situation was, why things hadn't turned out. He wasn't interested in their arguments or explanation, the scribes. He wasn't interested in a nice sermon as to why there was the affliction, why it hadn't gone yet. He just wanted his son healed and set free. And it's when the father focuses on Jesus, when Jesus calls him to himself, he comes, when his focus is on Jesus, he puts aside the other distractions of who and what was happening around him, that the cry of prevailing faith happens and the breakthrough comes. I love the story of the woman, you know, with the issue of blood in uh, Mark chapter 5. The Bible tells us that she'd had this issue of blood for 12 long years. And that she'd suffered much at the hand of physicians. She'd gone, you know, and spent all that she had. Can you imagine the desperate situation that she's in? And she, she, she thinks one day, Jesus is here, I'm going to push through. If only I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be healed. So she pushes through the inconvenience. She pushes through the, the rules and regulations. She pushes through the crowd just to grab hold, to stake everything on Jesus. And she is healed and set free. And for this man in the story, this father, it's the, in the coming before Jesus, anchoring his faith to him, that the father goes from, if you can do anything, to this cry of faith, I believe. I'm staking everything on you, Jesus. And I believe he gets this glimpse of all things are possible for the one who believes. And he realizes what his response must be. You know, th this incredible phrase that we read in Scripture, that we sing about, that we talk about as Christians, nothing is impossible with God. It's not just a nice phrase. It should be the deep cry and the conviction in our hearts. Do we really believe that all things are possible for, the, for one who believes? Do we pray with faith that God can change any situation? A broken marriage, a physical issue or need, an unsaved family member, a relational difficulty, a financial issue. Because even if we do, there will be times where what we hear or see or experience may be different to our confession and the conviction of that all things are possible. How do we stay steadfast in that place? I'll tell you how. By anchoring our faith and our confidence, our hope and our assurance firmly in Jesus Christ, in who he says he is and in what he has said he will do. 
I remember uh, hearing this testimony, or this story, I guess, really, of John, Wim- John Wimber, who many of you will know, Vineyard Movement, and, um, you know, really had this revelation of, of the kingdom being here and now, of doing the stuff, of seeing the Lord work in and through the life of every believer. And um, so he, he really went for it and saw some incredible things. And this story um, I've heard was when the Lord began to speak to him about healing and releasing that. And he wanted him to start preaching and teaching on it in his church and praying for it, believing for God to heal through him and through men and women who follow Jesus everywhere. And so he did. He took Jesus at his word. He began to preach on it. He began to teach on it. He began to believe for it. And as the story goes, it was many, many months before he saw even one person healed. I believe it, it might have even been 800, 800 people or something he prayed for before he saw the first person healed. 800 people. One out of 800. Now, I don't know about you. You don't have to be a, a sports lover about strike rates, you know, knowing all that stuff. You don't have to be a statistician. You don't have to be an economist to know that's not a great strike rate in the natural, is it? One out of 800. One out of 800. But the point of that story is he kept pressing in. He kept anchoring in his faith to Jesus. Jesus had spoken. The Lord had spoken to him about pursuing this, about going after healing. And so he was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to seek you, Lord, for that and keep going. Even when... What we see, hear, or experience may be different to our confession and conviction of the all things are possible. Let's anchor our faith in Jesus. Confident in Him and watch what He does and watch our faith rise in our hearts. Secondly, this morning, how do we move from that place? Ask for help. Ask for help. Who likes asking for help? A few of us. Oh, more than probably what I thought. Who's good at asking for help? I think there's something about this tendency we have as human beings, isn't it? That we, we don't like asking for help. We don't like asking, you know, for directions if we're a little bit lost. We just rely on our man sense, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We, we like to rely upon our own ability to be able to do it. You know, you buy a new bit of furniture or something that needs to be assembled. Instructions, what's that? You know, I'll figure it out on my own. I can do this. I've got this. And it's a little bit like that in our lives of faith, isn't it? We feel like, okay, I can do this. All right, faith, I've got it. We can do this. But it's clear in this story, and it's clear throughout the Bible, actually, how much we need help, how much we need to ask for help. And what is wonderful is the Lord is right there, willing and able, desiring to help us. Faith is a gift. It's not something we can drum up more of. Unbelief, faithlessness, and doubt, that's what we bring to the table. So as we ask for help, more of his gift of faith can arise in our hearts. So when Jesus responds, if you can, if you can, I mean, just imagine. Can you imagine for a second Jesus in that place? And the guy says, if you can do anything. You can just imagine like the, if you can. I don't know about you, sometimes when someone, you know, perhaps issues a challenge or a que- like questions your ability at something, for example, there's just something in me that goes, 
if I can, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Don't you dare question my ability. Imagine Jesus here, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he's there if you can do anything. Are you serious? Are you serious? If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. He's essentially saying, it's not my ability in question here, but gives the Father a glimpse of what's possible. And he's not going to respond and bring healing to somehow prove himself. You know, oh, well, you don't think I can do it, so I'm going to heal your son and show you. No. He doesn't do it to respond to the challenge. I believe he's wanting to pull out that response of faith from this father in desperate need of a miracle. And I believe that in that moment, in that moment when he says, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. The eyes of this father's heart were perhaps opened to see the immeasurable greatness of his power at work. He perhaps just caught a glimpse of, oh, yes, it's not his ability here. I believe. Help my unbelief. His eyes were open to see that Jesus' ability to act was never in question. His eyes were open to see and know that, that Jesus was able and shouldn't be limited because of his own disappointments or doubts. And so when, when he says, help my unbelief, this particular word used in the Greek, I've never spoken Greek, so I apologize in advance for the pronunciation, but boetheo, it means come to the rescue of, come to help, bring aid. That's what this word is. And then unbelief, this word is apistos, weakness of faith or want of faith. So what he's saying is, I believe, come to the rescue of my weakness of faith. I believe, but where I lack, come to my aid, please, Jesus. What a beautiful, incredible cry of prevailing faith. And one that I think all of us as followers of Jesus would do well to grab hold of. I don't know about you, and I'll just be honest here this morning. Like, you know, I, I believe, firmly believe that God is the God who, of the impossible. He does the impossible. He breaks through. He makes a way where there is no way. All those things. And I believe it, I sing it, and there are times, if I'm really honest, and particularly of late, I feel like the Lord's been just stirring my heart and putting things on my heart to pray into, that I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray into this, but there's part of me that's like, Lord, help me here, <laughs> because I'm not seeing, I don't know with my natural eyes how that will come to pass. But in those times, I'm like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Where I lack, would you come to my aid? Come to the rescue of my weakness of faith. If there is still some discouragement in me, if there are still any doubts, take them away and fill me with an unquestioning faith. That's essentially what this father was saying there when he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We can cry out to the Lord for help, for more of this gift of faith, even right here in this room this morning. Because he's willing and he's wanting to help us, to come alongside us, to move us from a place of, Unbelief to I believe. Help my unbelief. One final thing I'll just touch on this morning before we bring this to a close, and it, in many ways it ties in with the last point. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And prayer really is asking for help, isn't it? In many ways. But Jesus touches on this at the end of the passage today where the disciples ask him, why couldn't we drive it out? And he says to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And there's 
like I said earlier, there's a whole kind of message there. But basically, he, he's kind of giving a little bit of a rebuke to his disciples that they thought they could drive it out without prayer. He'd given them the power. But they needed full reliance upon the unlimited power of God expressed through prayer. That's what sees the breakthrough. Prayer changes things. Prayer shifts things in our lives that otherwise couldn't be shifted. It's been wonderful to spend this week focusing um, on prayer and setting aside time to pray and to seek the Lord. And I've been challenged personally even this week. Just There was, a, uh, I think, one time of prayer. I can't remember when it was because they all kind of melded into one. But I think it was a lunchtime prayer session one day. And just we were just spending some time praying into, Lord, may we not limit you with our prayers. May we not limit you or, or have kind of just this comfortable prayer life. And I was challenged personally to pray prayer, bold prayers. Are most of our prayers over things that we can handle, even if God doesn't do anything. In 2 Chronicles 7, it says, If my people who are called by my name pray, if we would pray, seek him and humble ourselves then i will hear from heaven turn and, and heal your land when faced with an immovable mountain an impossible situation prayer is so important and what is tested in those times is not jesus's ability he's got a pretty good track record i'm sure we'll all agree but rather our ability to refuse to set limits on what can be accomplished through the power of God. So this morning, as we bring our service to a close, will we move beyond the if-you-can mentality this morning? The if-you-can-do-something mentality that perhaps begins to doubt or question His power or His goodness. The if-you-can mentality that speaks from a place of the problem being bigger than our God. The if you can mentality that speaks from a place of discouragement, disappointment, and unbelief. I've tried before, but nothing's happened. This mentality that brings down the truth of God's word, the truth of who he is, down to our measure of experience, understanding, and breakthrough. I believe as his people, we're called to live higher than that. And the Lord's wanting to bring us up higher than that. There's always the invitation to come to Jesus with a cry. I believe, help my unbelief. To stake everything on Him. He'll never fail. He will never let you down. We'll never be disappointed as we anchor our faith in Jesus. And I believe He's calling us into that place today that we would not be a faithless generation, but a faith-filled one. That we would be a people who know that all things are possible because of Him, through Him, but for us who believe. Amen. So would you uh, stand this morning and is there someone that can just play keys? Do you mind? Thanks, Alex. Just open up your hands to the Lord, if you will, this morning. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you to come and rest upon each and every heart here in this place. and fall afresh I pray
just want to thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the impossible. There is nothing too hard for you, Lord, that we see that all throughout Scripture. We see that expressed in the life and ministry of Jesus. God, would you open our eyes afresh this morning to know the immeasurable greatness of your power, Lord God, at work. Lord, may we not limit you, Lord God. Forgive us where we've done so, Lord. Forgive us where we've been in a place of unbelief or doubt or in that place of the if you can do anything. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would leave here changed, Lord God. That we would move from that place of unbelief into that place crying out to you. I believe. Help my unbelief, Lord. We need your help, Lord God. We need you to to, uh, break through, Lord God, into those areas of our lives, Lord, where perhaps we just, we can't see a way forward. To those areas of doubt or discouragement or unbelief, Lord, I ask that you would break through afresh this morning. And Lord, I really pray that you would just cause fresh hope and just faith to arise in our hearts today, Lord. just say, come and do whatever it is that you want to do, Lord God, in our hearts. Lord, I pray for all those who do need breakthrough, who are facing an impossible situation, Lord. I ask that this morning, Lord God, that there would be healing, that there would be breakthrough, that there would be something shift, Lord God. If nothing else, in their own hearts, Lord, and perspective, I pray. And Lord, I just bless each and every person here with your presence and your peace, Lord. But with a stirring of fresh faith, Lord God, in this week ahead. May we go from here full of faith, full of joy, but walking in greater freedom than we have before, I pray. May we live this week for your glory. May there be opportunities to share who you are and see heaven break through, Lord God, into our workplaces, into our families, all the places you call us to be. I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just this morning, um, I just feel like the Lord's put on a couple of things in my heart. If you'd like prayer for, we've got a prayer team ready, fired up, ready to pray. Um, just one thing that I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me about this week is, is just coming to do business with Him, to, to repent of unbelief. And it's not meant to sound condemnatory in any sort of way, but just that sense, if there have been things in your life where you know that you've just been in that place of not really, not really thinking you can. I just want to invite you, perhaps over this side, just to come and kneel before the Lord and just ask Him, to dust you off and to bring that fresh um, faith that would rise in your hearts. If you're facing an impossible situation, a difficulty, if you need healing in your body, anything like that, I want to encourage you not to leave this place today without coming forward and receiving prayer, giving opportunity for the Lord to break through in your lives. And just uh, one other thing that
the Lord just brought to mind as we were praying then is that um, yesterday uh, I went for a run in the morning and it was incredibly windy it wasn't all that pleasant to be honest but I, um, I was amazed at just the difference since the last time I'd run a few days prior to that in how many leaves had been blown off obviously it's been a lot windier this week and I've no doubt that obviously this season autumn and winter that the Lord sends the winds to get rid of the leaves to bring new life there's some stubborn leaves there sometimes that need the extra strong winds like we saw yesterday morning so I just feel like perhaps there may be some people here this morning where you feel like there's some like those leaves that stubbornly hang on you've been hanging on to things whether it's disappointments or hurts or unbelief whether it's patterns of behavior or thinking and I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to bring fresh wind strong wind this morning because those, sometimes those things need to go so that the new life can come in, in due season so hopefully you remember those three things if you want prayer for anything possible situations the Lord just bringing a fresh wind to see those things lifted off or if you just want to come and do business with God I uh, just invite you to come forward at this point God bless you this week we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday